Welcome back to the Black Letter Podcast. We set out to create an entertaining and exciting podcast about law and business. Black Letter, the name, comes from the Gothic typeset. Over time, Black Letter became the only font that English law books were printed in. It made it harder for kind of the common person to understand what the English law books said. Black Letter came to represent something that was law, that was set in stone, that was sort of old and a well-settled fundamental principle of law. We're here to demystify black letter law. We're here to demystify things that happen in business and law and where those two meet. And I hope you have fun listening. Thanks for joining us for this edition of the Black Letter Podcast. I'm back with Kevin Goldberg of Greenleaf Medical and Barney Goodman of Dunlap Bennett and Ludwig, an attorney for Greenleaf Medical. We're talking with Kevin this week about a challenge he's faced in growing this, uh, I love this, growing this empire literally growing his empire. He has uh, two, one of the four cannabis licenses in Virginia, one of the 25 licenses in Pennsylvania, one of the 20 licenses in Maryland, and what is it, 10 in Ohio or something like that? Um, we have a dispensary I, license in Ohio. So. Dispensary license in Ohio. Only so, dispensary, unfortunately, but yes. Uh, but probably soon to be changed, right? So through perseverance, Kevin's grown this company massively and built out facilities. We heard about that last, and we heard about his company was acquired by a publicly traded company, uh, Columbia and uh, Columbia Medical Group, I think. Columbia Care. Columbia Care. Yes. And so Kevin is in the midst of, of being a subsidiary of Columbia Care. And this week, we're going to hear about one of the challenges he's faced in creating and growing this company. I got to st- stop using that metaphor. Sorry about that, Kevin. It's just so, it's so there. Um, <laughs> if you could think off the top of your head, one or two big challenges. And I asked for one or two because it's such an interesting subject, and I'm sure you've faced more than one. And share with our listeners kind of your your thoughts and experiences in both doing either dispensary, growing, or uh, what is it, processing. So the three things that your company does in multiple states. So this is easy. The biggest challenge has been having the capital necessary to build out our facilities get operational. Like we always knew that once we got operational, it was going to be a very profitable business, but building out the facilities costs millions and millions of dollars. Um, we went through a period of time where we were profitable in Maryland, but we were on a timeline to try to get Virginia built out. And frankly, we were running out of money and it was pretty terrifying. Barney helped us through that time, we ended up, well, it's complicated. We were running out of money. We could not get a loan from any conventional bank because we're cannabis. And I don't think listeners know that necessarily, Kevin, that because the federal law doesn't allow cannabis, you can't get money from any federally insured bank, which is every bank. So yeah, sorry, just wanted to let listeners know that I think that's that's one of the huge challenge. It's a huge challenge. And at the dispensary level, we're an all-cash business. You know, in each state, we find, you know, one or two banks that are willing to bank our money, but they won't lend us money. They won't give us construction loans. So the only way to finance these companies was through equity. And we were quickly running out of money. We were on a time frame to get Virginia built out. 
And, you know, we were terrified that we weren't going to have the money to build out Virginia and we we're going to lose that license because the state can take the license back if you don't get it built out within, I believe, 12 months. So, wow. you know, we had raised as much equity as we could raise. I think we had raised about 15 million in equity so far, but we still needed more. And we ended up, you know, being approached by an entity called Green Ivy with where they offered to lend us money, but at a very high interest rate. When all was said and done, it was probably 17% plus some warrants coverage where they um, got like 1% of our company in warrants. So it was, you know, a, a rough deal to swallow. But initially, we went back and forth with them and we couldn't get them to where we wanted to be. So we ended up um, doing what's called a REIT transaction. where So we owned our Virginia property and we ended up selling it to a company called IIPR, which is a publicly traded company that does REIT transactions in the cannabis space. And in exchange for that, they gave us, you know, the cash necessary to build out Virginia and um, um, it kind of gave us a little bit of comfort, a little bit of cushioning, but we were still running out of money even after the REIT deal. But that gave us enough breathing room that with Green Ivy, we were able to, you know, negotiate a little harder on the points that we wanted to negotiate. Like, whereas before we would have been desperate, we almost were in a position where we would have to take any deal the lender was willing to give us. We were able to negotiate a little bit more because we got the breathing room through through the REIT transaction. Gotcha. Um, so my point is, it's just important to be creative in the ways that you come up with 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 capital. Yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds like that really, I mean, it's hard for me to imagine that you've got to build out an $18 million facility or a $45 million facility with no loans. You literally have to do it at free straight equity. It's almost unheard of because everything, you know, that Barney or I or other lawyers do for clients most involves uh, at least 50% debt. And that's like a really rich property. And you're going 100% equity every time you walk into a project. Um, so that, that seems insane. Right. And on, on these REIT deals, um, you know, we're tied into a long-term lease, I believe a 15-year lease, where our lease payments are several hundred thousand dollars a month for the Virginia property. So wow. it's not a good deal, but it's the deal we had made to get to the point where, you know, we're profitable and we're highly profitable now. So, And, your and obviously it all worked out for the best. I guess. Yes. Yes. There was no other way to get there other than, you know, the creative financing we took. And, you know, Barney was really helpful to us in um, negotiating the transaction with the lender. He helped negotiate us a $10 million uh, line of credit, which, you know, we only ended up drawing down maybe $6 million of it and only for a short period of time. We borrowed the money at this insane interest rate for about less than a year. Um, and then when we were acquired by Columbia Care, we paid that off. We had to pay some penalty for early payment. Um, but it was essentially a bridge loan that yeah. allows the interest rate that we had to take in order to you know, get our business to the next level. 
and get it sold. Yeah, I'm wrapping my head around the fact that you were paying uh, for each million dollars you drew more than $170,000 a year in interest. <laughs> well, also, one thing that you also have to consider is every asset that Greenleaf had in all four states was collateral. Wow. Even if Green Ivy was in a third or fourth position, they collateralized everything. So imagine the amount of legal so I mean, it was it was almost overwhelming. So that's an interesting question, actually. So they can collateralize a loan in Virginia across state lines. You can't bank across state lines, but they can file liens, obviously, locally in those states by private contract. Because you're not moving it's just interesting. You're moving debt across state lines, but you're not moving cash across state lines. Well, you mentioned cash. That's an interesting point too, and it's the other side of the story. Okay. Kevin says he's an all-cash business. Why? Because you can't use credit cards. They're run through federal facilities, Visa and MasterCard. And so you have uh, every transaction is cash. So at the end of the day, you've got bags full of cash and you got to protect them. The bad guys are out there, you know, with guns. And the, yeah. you know, they're easy targets for robbery. So how do you do that? I mean, this is, I know, a little off topic of your challenge because the, ch the capital challenge seems enormous, but how do you move money around? Because I'm just thinking of it now, you can't Zelle or wire people money, I guess. So when you are doing these millions of dollars of transaction, or even can you pay rent? Do you pay rent in cash? Do you take dollars of cash and give it to the landlord? Like, how does all that work? So we're fortunate. We have banking in every state we're in. There okay. tends to be one or two banks in each state that are willing to take the risk. And through like FinCEN and whatever other agencies regulate banks, they kind of set out a safe harbor for banks to follow that apparently doesn't give the banks a lot of assurance, but it gives them some assurance to the point where one or two banks in each market is willing to play the game. And, um, you know, they have to, the banks have to have their internal own internal compliance program where they send an inspector out to our facilities four times a year and inspect it. The banks have to basically guarantee that, um, you know, we're following the rules of the, of, of, of the state. Um, gotcha. so to answer your question, we pay our rent with a check. Um, okay. When we sell wholesale cannabis to another company, they typically can pay us with a check. But oh, great. in the dispensaries, you know, on the consumer to us level, every transaction has to be in cash. And we have ATM machines in our facilities. Um, but, you know, we have, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars of cash, you know, on a weekly basis that we have to, you know, have transported to the bank and that's done through armed guards and cash pickup companies, that kind of thing. Wow. That's it. But along with it, with this banking proposition, uh, one of the banks in Virginia that Greenleaf does business with is a bank that I set them up with. And one of their directors has told me, and he's, a, uh, <laughs> he's dealt with the Fed and the Fed's official policy is, on this cannabis business, don't ask, don't tell. 
uh, just do your business in state chartered banks. And, you know, we're not going to pursue. So, Kevin, can I ask, or, or Barney, if the administration is was to change, uh, the federal administration, so right now there's a, probably a more friendly federal administration in the White House, but if it were to flip, is that going to affect your business directly? Do you think? Well, I mean, we sort of had that, okay? When we started our business, Obama was president, I think. And then yep. um, um, Trump became president and appointed Jeff. So under Obama, we were guided by what's called the Cole Memo from the Department of Justice that kind of said they're not going to prosecute state legal medical cannabis companies as long as we don't sell to gangs and sell to kids or anything like that, and as long as we comply with state law. There was no okay. funding to prosecute in that. So we felt pretty safe there. Then Trump got elected and he appointed Jeff Sessions as the attorney general. And Jeff Sessions withdrew the Cole memo. So we were like all very, very nervous at that period of time, kind of not knowing what to expect. Um, but fortunately, his policy was pretty much the same as the Cole memo. Um, you know, as long as, you know, nobody really. There, there was not a huge uptick in prosecutions or anything like that, um, but it was a scary time. Uh, now, the Justice Department still hasn't like reinstituted the Cole memo, but we feel pretty comfortable. We know that they are um, going to leave us alone as long as we are compliant with state law. And that's why compliance is such a huge part of our, our business. We spend a tremendous amount of money making sure that we comply with the regulations to a T. And that's something else that, you know, law firms have helped us with. Yeah. So it seems, Kevin, like the big check boxes for you guys are capital, compliance, and then something I didn't even think of, security, when you're moving money around, uh, physical security. Obviously, you have to do all the business stuff that a regular business does, but then you have all these other challenges, this limited means of access to capital, this massive you know, problem of moving huge amounts of cash and, uh, and then more compliance and regulatory compliance, probably, you know, nine out of 10 or 95% of all other businesses on earth. Uh, you know, restaurants get inspected by the health department and uh, it's nothing compared to what you guys go through. It sounds like you even have your own banks inspecting you to stay compliant. So huge, huge stuff. Um, so is there anything else, Jeff, you want to add to that? Or should we jump to Next week's segment, we're going to talk about your advice to people who, who might want to embark on this, uh, whether it's, you know, in Virginia or Maryland or somewhere else, you know, what advice you might have for them. Well, just real quick, going back to, you know, raising capital under yeah. challenging circumstances, it's really important to be creative. And just because you haven't heard of something being done before, if, if there's a good idea to you know, come up with capital, you need to listen and, you know, probably consult with an attorney and see if it's a realistic way to get the capital. For example, um, I remember at one point we were running out of capital and we were able to do long-term supply agreements in Pennsylvania where we got a company to give us two million bucks up front in exchange for like really good pricing that we gave them on wholesale cannabis over a period of time. So that's another way. It's just, you know, we can't borrow money from the banks. So you got to be open to things like 
REIT transactions, high interest loans, supply agreements. There's probably other creative ideas that are out there and you need to be open to that. You need to understand that, you know, when you can't get loans from banks, you're going to have to get creative and you're going to have to, you know, do some deals that otherwise you wouldn't necessarily want to do. Gotcha. And when your two years is up or you're, um, you hit your targets, are you often out into the world of consulting for other people who want to do this? Or are you often out to your, your pleasure craft or whatever, your beach, your beach retreat? Um, I'm too young for any sort of beach retreat. I'm a workaholic by nature. My dad yep. was a workaholic and I'm a workaholic. I'm not retiring. I'm doing a little bit of consulting now in the cannabis space. Um, nice. but I'm really looking, um, you know, if the opportunity's right, stay with Columbia Care. It's a company I truly believe in. And I think they're going to be the leader in cannabis in, in the future. Um, of course, I'm always open to other entrepreneurial ideas, hopefully something that'll make the world a better place. Excellent. Well, Kevin, I'm going to um, come back to you next week. And listeners, thank you for joining us for this week's Black Letter Podcast with Kevin Goldberg, Barney Goodman, and Greenleaf Medical. Next week, Kevin's going to join us again with Barney. We're going to talk about his advice to people starting. And he kind of shared with us this week about access to capital that the most important thing is to be creative and listen to ideas because that is the biggest challenge that he's faced in the space is that you can't get bank loans. You can't get federal money. You can't even move money really across state lines easily. But we'll see you next week on the Black Letter Podcast. Kevin and Barney, thanks for joining us this week. And we'll bring you back next week. And uh, thanks, listeners. That's all for today's episode of Black Letter. Thanks again for listening. Join us next time when we talk about more Black Letter issues in creative ways. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And check out our website at blackletterstudios.com.